Chapter 13 When I tiptoed up the stairs to the attic that night, Andrew was waiting for me. A candle illuminated the circle he had drawn on the floor. Its flame flickered in a draft and sent big black shadows dancing across the rafters. Are you ready to play? Andrew watched me sit down opposite him. He was tense, nervous, and eager to begin the game. In his right hand, he cradled the red bullseye. But I had other things on my mind. Questions, worries, doubts. I saw you today, I said. You were standing in the backyard. Did you see me? Andrew's eyes widened. That was you? I nodded and he relaxed. Praise be. I thought I was looking at my own ghost. For a minute, I didn't know who I was, you or me. What do you mean? I told him about whistling for Buster and calling his mother Mama, but Andrew just shrugged and said he didn't seem why that worried me. You're going to be me for a long time, Drew. You best get used to it. But suppose we make something happen that changes history. Don't be silly. How could two boys as unimportant as we are do anything like that? Hunching over the ring, Andrew laid out a cross of 13 glass marbles. Each one cast a faint colored shadow on the floor. Did Aunt Blythe give you your marbles back? Yes, but it doesn't change our agreement. We play till you beat me. I watched him aim his Aggie. It spun to a stop a hair's width past the lag line. He sat back on his heels and grinned. You won't do better than that. As he predicted, my Aggie rolled past his and disappeared into the shadows beyond the candlelight. Quicker than I was, Andrew retrieved it. This is my sister, Shooter. Are you stealing from her now? Of course not. I glared at him, furious he'd think of me capable of such a thing. She's teaching me how to play. She's very good. But not as good as I am, Andrew knelt beside the ring. Come on, Drew. No more dwaddling. Let's play. Aiming carefully, he shot seven miggles out of the ring. Clickety-click. One after another, they spun across the floor. My game. Andrew dropped his marbles into his leather bag. Each click was a sound of a key locking me into his world. I told you I was good, he said. Trying not to cry, I stared at the floor. A tear splashed on the boards anyway, then another. Embarrassed, I knuckled my eyes with my fist, but it didn't help. I couldn't stop. Tarnation, Andrew said scornfully. Don't be such a panty waste. It would take much more than losing a game to make me cry. I know, I muttered. You're tough and brave and you can do everything. Andrew grabbed my shoulders. Stop crying. Stop it this minute. You must be ruining my reputation. Afraid of the, the anger blazing in his eye, I pulled away from him. It's not easy being you. Would well, you think it's any easier being you? Andrew followed me till I was flat against the wall with no place else to go. At least you've studied history. You know something about how life used to be. How do you suppose it felt to wake up in a hospital surrounded by newfangled machines? Jules Verne never even imagined. I opened my mouth to speak, but Andrew wasn't finished. I didn't know anybody. Not Aunt Blythe. Not Mom. Not Dad. I had no notion how to behave. What to say. What to do. I guess they thought the fever had gone to my brain. 
The hospital gave me test after test. Nobody could find anything wrong, so they sent me home. I tell you, it was a real shock to see everything so different. When Andrew paused to take a breath, I jumped in with a question. My parents were at the hospital? They came all the way to Missouri to see you? Andrew looked surprised. Of course, they thought I was dying. I pictured mom and dad hanging over my hospital bed, holding each other's hands, crying, promising to stay with me forever if only I'd get well. Where are they now? Andrew shrugged. They went back to their dig in France. I was disappointed, but Andrew wasn't. Eyes shining, he said. It must be grand to be an archaeologist. Just imagine what you can find. Ancient temples in the jungle, buried cities in the desert, lost civilizations under the ocean. If I grow up, if I live to grow up, that's what I'm going to do. In real life, it isn't like that, I said. You spend most of your time swatting bugs and sifting through dirt for teeny little bits of stuff. Bone fragments, shards of pottery, things like that. You'd be bored to death. I don't think so. Twin candles glowed in Andrew's eyes. Bending forward toward the flame, he blew it out and got to his feet. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed now. Aunt Blythe has a big day planned for tomorrow. She's taking me to St. Louis to see the sights. Vexed by his cockiness, maybe even jealous, I watched Andrew run down the steps. At the bottom, he looked back. Better luck tomorrow night, Drew. The next morning, Hannah said, I believe you're beginning to show some improvement, Andrew. I'd finally hit a marble out of the ring, and, and she was just as pleased as I was. The sun shone down through the leaves, dappling the ground with shadows. Hidden in the foliage, locusts buzzed and drone. Birds sang in the woods behind us. I felt good, happy even. Right now, Hannah was all mine. When she climbed up into the tree, I followed her. I had done it yesterday. I could do it again today. This time, instead of going to the top, we sat on a low branch and watched the clouds drift by. Bears and elephants, whales and dragons, castles and mountains, one thing shifting to another, always changing, never staying the same. After a while, Hannah said, I heard Papa and Mama talking last night. Mama told Papa she thinks John Larkin is fond of me. To my annoyance, a little smile danced across her face. I'm fond of John, too, she admitted. But Papa, Hannah bit her lip and frowned. Papa said a girl with my notions will never find a husband. He told Mama I'd end up an old maid suffragette. Those were his very words, Andrew. Forgetting everything except making her happy, I said, No matter what Papa thinks, you'll marry John. What's more, women will get to vote and drive cars and do everything men do, even wear trousers and run for president. Hannah sucked in her breath. The way you talk, Andrew, I could swear you've been looking in a crystal ball. Clapping my hand over my mouth, I stared at her. Whatever had made me say so much? I didn't even want to think about her marrying John. And here I had gone and told her she would, as well as revealing a bunch of other stuff she shouldn't know. Do you see anything else in my future? Hannah was leaning toward me, her face inches from mine, gazing into my eyes, her lips slightly parted. Will John and I be happy? Will we have lots of children? Will we live long, 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 a long, long time? 
I tightened my grip on the branch. I was drowning, losing my identity, speaking words that made no sense. You'll be old when I'm young, I whispered, but I'll remember. I'll never forget. I'll always love... What are you talking about? Hannah reached out and grabbed my shoulders. Are you all right? For a moment, I was too dizzy to answer. I wasn't sure who I was or where I was or what we had been talking about. Feeling sick, I clung to the tree. Gradually, things came back into focus. The world steadied, birds sang, leaves rustled, the branches swayed slightly. The strength in Hannah's hands calmed me. I took a deep, few deep breaths and managed to smile. Hannah relaxed, but she was obviously still worried. Will you ever be yourself again, Andrew? I hope so, I said so fervently. Hannah looked at me oddly. If only I could tell her the truth. She'd understand everything. But would she believe me? Hannah sighed and wiped the sweat off her face with the back of her hand. I reckon the heat's enough to give anybody the fantoids. She smiled at me. Come on, Andrew. I'll race you to the pump for a drink 